on this week's episode of Polk and Kush, we are paying attention. Unlike Mr. Eric Bledsoe, we've got Drew Brees talking about that he was only healthy for one game, yet no one told us that. We've got the worst of the week. We've got segments and so much more. So please stick around for this week's episode of Polk and Kush. Welcome everyone to Poke and Kush. It's April 22nd. You might be listening on April 21st, 2021. And we have got some fancy pants new recording equipment. And it has got to be sexual for all of your ears out there. Yeah, I, uh, you know, we took the money that we made stealing copper over the summer. <laughs> And we decided that the fans are worth it. You were like, hey, do you need to pay your electric bill? And I said, no. No. No electric, no electric bill. We need to have automatic jazz drops. That's what we need coming in. There we go. Ooh, sounds copyright free, doesn't it? So yeah, we're just going to throw those in periodically and I see gotta, how long it'll go. I got to program the board. I'm going to put Austin Powers on there. I'm going to put <laughs> Borat on there. You'll be sick of it soon. It's great. Uh, this is our first daytime episode. Yeah, we are. Uh, since the Pelicans played last night, uh, we decided to wait a day uh, until we recorded today. And what do you know? They lost. In <laughs> strikingly similar fashion to, all right, that's the fourth loss in a row. Three teams from New York. Nobody brought up that. No, one. that's true. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think. I didn't think about that part either. Three losses in New York. Yeah, you, you want to talk about Zion loving New York? He just <laughs> lost three times in a week there. <laughs> he just steamrolled by New York. Yeah, so two of those losses at home. One in Madison Square Garden. The only one anybody cared about was the fact that it was in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. seemed to be a much bigger deal. Uh, but from the 30,000-foot uh, perspective right now, uh, the Pelicans are, are fading out of the playoff picture, uh, despite the fact that Zion Williamson continues to play incredibly well, despite the fact the Pelicans are a pretty damn good team for about three and a half quarters most nights. Uh, and so you find yourself... Looking at a team and, and saying, I, I don't understand how they continue to do the exact same thing in the exact same way every single game, and they're not getting any better. And yet at the same time, it doesn't feel like there's any urgency to do anything about it. Uh, so this is where they're at. They've lost four straight games. They're as of you know right now, they're four games out of the 10 spot. That's right. The 10 spot. Uh, that should be a pretty damn attainable goal. And yet they're outside of it. And, you know, I think a lot of fans are getting frustrated with the result while at the same time trying to keep in mind that there is progress that has occurred. It's just harder to see it through losses. 
Wow, optimism at the end of that. I'm not <laughs> feeling it. No. This team is brutal to watch. They are a, a routine nut punch. This last week, every night, I was just like, oh, please don't be playing. Please. <laughs> I just want to do something fun like donate blood or do my taxes. Please don't be playing tonight. And they were playing so much. A lot of basketball. It's the, it's just amazing that they can continue to be this bad at the end of games. What Stan Van Gundy said last night uh, as he was going through his nightly, you know, self-flagellation ritual <laughs> where he hates himself and he hates the team and he hates the, everything in the world. Uh, and he picked on the point last night. He's like, look, if you just look at the numbers like point differential and net rating and uh, various other like objective factors that don't take into account wins and losses. Like the Pelicans are a middle of the pack team, yet they are eight games under 500. They are very clearly more toward the bottom of the pack. And how do you rectify that situation in your mind as the head coach without either calling your team a bunch of dumbasses who don't work very hard mm-hmm. or calling yourself a dumbass who doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And so which one of those things is true? I tend to blame the players more, but I think as this moves forward, it's like eventually you're like, all right, like how can the same problem keep popping up every single damn game? Yeah, I mean, if you talk about numbers being middle of the pack, sure, that's great. I would attribute that to the players. Yeah. The uh, win-loss numbers are the only ones that matters, and I feel like the coach is a lot more in control of that than mm-hmm. the players themselves. This team has hit a streak at the worst possible time, and I think the blame is solely on Stan. Really? You, you can't blame the players at this point for doing the exact same thing over and over and over again, can you? So let's look at the other side of this, okay? Who is he supposed to play other than the guy that he's currently playing? The one that you could say that needs to be out of the rotation is Eric Bledsoe, which he was out of the rotation against the Nets. He was gone. They still lost anyway. Najee Marshall missed a three in the last minute of the game. Uh, Against New York, the game which was the complete fiasco, they were up. Two possessions with like 30 seconds left. They're up three with eight seconds. Eric Stan- Bledsoe looks like Jordan out there. <laughs> Eric Bledsoe, they're in the, the huddle. Jordan Bell. Jordan right. Bell, there you go. <laughs> I was going to say. It's like, I don't know, man. Um, they're in the huddle with less than 7.8 seconds to play, up by three. Sam Van Gundy tells them foul before they can shoot. What happens? Derrick Rose gets the ball. Eric Bledsoe watches him dribble by him without any contact. And then Lonzo Ball forgets the score, tries to stop on a completely meaningless layup, and instead allows the best three-point shooter to shoot a wide-open three. Game is tied. A couple minutes later, they lose. And this is just so emblematic of, like, I don't know what Stan Van Gundy is supposed to do other than tell them what to do. And they still suck at it. How can you miss that assignment? And he didn't hold back in the press conference either. He just crushed. He's like, high, he said school high school kids would know to not leave the shooter. In that situation, you see wide open layups all the time because it doesn't matter. And they teams know that's what you're supposed to do. It's college, half of a college game, the last minute of a college game, every single time. 
is just guys making uncontested shots because they're fouling on one, one end and going back to on the other side. Uh, it, it is a joke that they didn't listen to him. It's easy to blame Van Gundy. I'm not, yeah, I'm not standing up for Van Gundy. He's had certainly his problems. This team is full of fucking morons sometimes, <laughs> and it is a goddamn joke that he has to sit there and take the blame for it every single well, time. Well, who's the teacher? He's the teacher. They're the students, right? Yes. J.J. Reddick's gone. The mentor to all the players, <laughs> he's gone. So now it's yes. just Stan. Their best friend, the reading the Very Hungry Caterpillar after games, yes. Well, this team is experiencing what the fans are experiencing uh, on way. They, they have no <laughs> – they don't give a fuck. They're, yeah. they're not paying attention because they don't care and because they're seeing the same thing over and over again, yeah. and that lies solely on Stan. I don't blame uh, Eric Bledsoe for being out there playing Game Boy. <laughs> 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 he admitted it. He admitted it. We're like, were you supposed to foul in the last eight seconds? And he goes, yeah, I guess I wasn't paying attention. I lost my focus. Good. I'm, I'm, that made me – that was more <laughs> endearing than anything I've heard Eric Bledsoe say. I was just like, yeah, it's hard for me to pay attention too, buddy. <laughs> And you're getting paid a bunch of money, so it must be really bad for you. Oh man, the, the that checks was cash. Really funny. I mean, he was just like, "Yeah, I guess I wouldn't pay." And I literally like have like a text thread with the other beat writers, and I was like, "Did I just hear that right?" <laughs> like in the middle of the Zoom call, I was like, "Did he just say what I think he said?" He said he didn't pay attention in the huddle, but then obviously Lonzo didn't either. And then what's even crazier is that the next possession they went to Bledsoe to take the game-winning shot. He misses. He starts untucking his jersey and walking off the floor when they were going to overtime. He still didn't know the score. My uh, my question there is, how does Brandon Ingram not just walk off the court? <laughs> I mean, exactly. You got who taking the last shot? <laughs> yes. Brandon Ingram should have walked out of that place. Yeah. It's like if it's like if if someone was driving the car and they got a DUI, the police officer like is like all right i know you have this dui but your friend here is sober let him get in the car and drive you home I'm gonna let you off the hook and then the guy gets back in the car and drives into the wendy's <laughs> <laughs> i was hungry that's what happened they didn't go away he obviously wasn't paying attention he didn't know the score and you go to him for the game-winning shot with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram on the floor. And who made that call? Exactly. So that's on Stan. Yeah. I agree. And so it's all degrees of who you want to blame because they're losing. You got to blame someone. Uh, but the part that I don't like is Pelicans fans blaming it on youth or this is part of development. It's not. These are basic things like as Stan Van Gundy always says, like, hey, getting back on defense isn't a skill that comes with time in the league. Right. Like not dying on screens isn't a skill that you need eight years in the NBA to perfect. Like these are not about shooting. It's not about uh, clutch, you know, the clutch gene. That's not what any of this is about. It's simply like not being a goddamn idiot uh, some, when, when it gets to the last two minutes of a game. And they keep blowing it over and over and over again. And they're not good teams. The Knicks are okay. The Wizards stink. And the Nets were playing without two Anyone. MVPs. And James Harden. Two MVPs and five other players. Yeah, who all had COVID. So it, it is it's not as if they were losing to really good teams and kind of playing them close. It's like, ah, you know, you were right in there through the end. It's like, no, you were just right there and you suck. In the end of games. And uh, 
the big question, right, is how does this extrapolate to next season and beyond? Because this year is starting to feel like it is lost. This year has been brutal on the fans. I can't imagine how brutal it has been on the players. And I think that's probably a big reason why all of the Zion New York stuff was hyped up so much. Because yeah. anyone, I don't believe the talking heads on ESPN acting like they've seen any of the games. No. God, no. They have no idea what this team is actually like. They're just looking at the record. They're yeah. not even looking at scores. They don't know that this is a good team for three quarters. So when Zion, who is normally shrugging his shoulders and has been trained to say nothing yeah. since high school, <laughs> like, what did you think about when the defense switched on you? You know, man, I just want to, <laughs> you know, I just, it's up to my, t you know, it's, it's up to blessing. me. It's yeah. he, he, he says nothing. He's never said anything. And then it's like, hey, what do you think about Madison Square Garden? He's like, he lights up like a fucking Christmas tree. Yeah. And is like, this place is great. Yeah. There's a Chipotle on the <laughs> second floor. Or whatever he, whatever reason he likes it. The insane clown posse played here in 2002. <laughs> I'm sure that's what he's going on about. But, you know, when a player says, and I actually don't think there's anything to that. I think he's a kid in New York. New York is cool. Madison Square Garden, it's cool. obviously. I don't think that means he's going there. But I think that's why everybody's jumping on it. Because yeah. this team is... The Hindenburg right now, yeah. and it has a history of being the Titanic, <laughs> the Spruce Goose. What What are some other historical failures? It's a, a major a disasters. The there. Tesla truck. Um, that's a more the Challenger. One. Yeah. <laughs> Windows Vista. It is. Uh... Why would anybody have trust in this team to do the right thing with these players? Yeah, and, and I think that is the part where it's like the where it's very difficult to separate the reality from the perception because the reality is that no one, with the exception of very few people, like no one in, in charge is the same as they were when Dell was here, and certainly not the same when Chris Paul was here. Like there is really no correlation uh in terms of the deciders on the basketball side. Uh, 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 and the players and the coaches like not, none of it is the same yet when you sit there and look at like okay they're the Pelicans they're a crappy organization and they lose a lot of games and they've lost a bunch of stars and that all just sort of lines up in everyone's head and it's a very easy narrative to follow and it did not help that yes the question that Zion was most when he said I'm so glad you asked that question and then was like I love playing in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> and you could literally see on the Zoom just these guys from New York like, tick, 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 oh, my God, here we go. This is where everything goes. And it's like no, every player has always said, uh, Steph Curry loves playing in Madison Square Garden. LeBron James loves playing in Madison Square Garden. Kevin Garnett. All these guys who eventually became really big free agents, and none of them actually went to the Knicks. But they all love playing Kevin in Kevin Garnett Madison. did get close. He, he was in Brooklyn, yeah. yes. But... All of these guys have said that forever. The fact that it's Zion, the fact he's saying it while he's playing on a bad team in a really small market just breeds this stuff. Yeah, and he's got a buddy on that team that just won seven that's, games in a row. That's true, too. And they're playing a lot better than the Pelicans, despite the fact that almost assuredly they have less talent overall than the Pelicans. Yeah. So that all kind of combines to build a narrative that says, oh, Zion's going to New York, which, hey, a couple of years from now, he very well might go to New York. But it's not because of what he just said in these comments. That is uh, very it's just the, the easiest national media driven thing. In the meantime, this team has way bigger problems 
uh, to deal with than Zion commenting on things like that. Yeah, it doesn't really matter if Zion goes to New York in four years, three years. (laughs) What matters is now and what we're going to do with Brandon Ingram. Yeah. And who the fuck are the clowns we're, we're putting around this goof troop right now? And will there be anyone there to watch it? Yeah. (laughs) It's, I I mean, I don't know about you. It does feel like they've lost all of the buzz that they had. Certainly two years ago with Zion getting drafted. And then whatever they had entering this year, right? I don't think anyone was expecting big things. But I don't think they were expecting people them to go eight games under 500 and yeah. be out of the playoff race with 14 games to go when you still when you have 10 teams that are involved in the playoffs this year. And, and yeah, big things are not considered the 10th seed, a thing that <laughs> didn't exist a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. So it's not as and I guess that's the part that's the most like, all right, like you you can call this whatever you want a developmental season it was a red shirt season it was uh, a transition year because you lost drew holiday and you traded him for basically spare parts uh but you also should be good enough if i had told you that zion williams was going to average 30 points a game and be one of the best initiators in the nba you would obviously think and that they were the hel- literally the healthiest team in the nba you would think that they would at least be 500 and they're not even that close to 500. I believe that was our original prediction for the team was somewhere around 500, probably the 10th seed. And yeah. we said that we would be happy with that. Yeah. And now we'd be very happy with that. Sure. I think Pelicans fans would be. But Pelicans fans are now trying to defend their own beliefs by just repeating that it's a young team over and over. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier how there aren't going to be players eight years into the NBA learning how to get back on defense (laughs) and how to get over a screen. I think uh, the Pelicans do have some shining examples of learning uh, yourself out of bad habits in the first two. Jackson Hayes is a very good example of getting better at basketball at a realistic pace um, and becoming the player that he was drafted to be. Uh, Lonzo shooting, people talk about that a lot. That's game to game. But those are two, <laughs> It's better. It's yeah. a lot better when he arrives. Those are two realistic examples. And and to keep saying that this is a young team is really missing the point of this team. Yes. There are good young teams. Yeah. There the are. Pelicans aren't one of them. No. This is not an anomaly. It's not as if they couldn't be good. I guess that's the more frustrating right. part. And are they almost good? That And that's the... like. Does losing close games make you close to being a good team or does it make you a bad team that almost wins? Like that's the philosophical, you know, what prism are you viewing this out of? Uh, I don't believe just playing in close games suddenly makes you close to being a good team. Like, yes, if they were getting blown out like the Rockets do every night or like Minnesota does most nights, like that would be worse as far as developing the team. But this is probably more frustrating because you've built a team that is supposed to be able to sort of thread the needle between the present and the future. And the pieces that you've built this on are not good. Do you think it's worse for building the future? Because if the Pelicans were tank, the Pelicans lost f- four games in a row yeah. and their drafts, Position has not changed. <laughs> Unchanged, yes. Yes, they've gotten that, nothing out of it. I mean, why aren't the Pelicans just tanking at this point? Because that's the players are still going to get their minutes. They're still going to go out there and yeah. lose. Yeah. 
build towards the future if you're going to lose like this. Yeah, I understood not tanking. I mean, legitimately, what, a, a week ago, they were riding a three-game winning streak. They were two games back. It felt like they were very much on the cusp. Yeah. Right? Uh, 16 games were left at that point. Yeah, or I guess 18, right? Yeah. Before the four-game losing streak. You were right. They were right on the cusp. And you could say, okay, as long as they're playing meaningful games all the way to the end, and as, if they make this play-in game, that's a, a nice carrot to have out there. All of this works. Rather than tanking, sending Brandon Ingram you know, into max contract with a crazy, terrible record, Zion Williamson is branded a loser, like all these things. Like I get why you didn't want to do that. What f- scares me as a Pelicans, like if you're a Pelicans fan or – you know, me looking from the outside going like, where's the confidence in this organization? You traded for Eric Bledsoe and you traded for Steven Adams and you're playing a bunch of older guys and you haven't really adjusted your rotation and you've been super healthy and you suck. Like you did all these things to not suck and those guys aren't that good. Like they didn't help you in that way and it's not as if they're cheap. It's not as if you went and got scrap heap guys. Like you went and got guys who you valued and you still are bad. It makes me question the judgment of who's making the moves in Griff. It makes me question whether or not Stan Van Gundy knew what he was doing with this roster, even though it was a shortened training camp. And now you have to completely basically scrap this, right, and go in a different direction entering next season because Zion is playing in a totally different way, and you have to do a completely different team. So are you going to be young again next year? You're certainly going to be new. But are you going to be young again next year that if you are fighting for the eight seed and don't make it, that's OK again? Because I don't think it is. I think there's a ton of pressure on next year now, but you're doing it basically with a you're going to have to do it with a pretty much new every piece around uh, Ingram and Zion is going to have to be new ish. Does the organization have the confidence to be a young team again next year? Yeah, I don't think so. No. The, the, no the, I would hope that their confidence is, you know, whipped a little. Yeah. Like, it's going to be a very difficult decision for them moving forward whether they're going to do the exact same thing again, bring in uh, an expensive middle-of-the-road center yeah. that gets offensive reap. I, a couple of episodes, I said I didn't think Stephen Adams was garbage. <laughs> I th- he's I did not factor in how much he's getting paid. Yeah, and somebody's going to get those rebounds if he doesn't. A lot of them. He is a good offensive rebounder. He's a good offensive rebounder, but somebody's Josh Hart not injured is picking up a lot of those too. Half of those defensive boards for sure. I guess the bigger. Question. He's, he's just very overpaid, and he doesn't. James Johnson seemed to fit better with. Yeah, he's more athletic than Stephen. He stretches Adams. the floor. Yeah, that's your biggest problem is they keep playing Stephen Adams late in these games. He's not helping them enough defensively to close, and he sucks on offense. He clogs the lane for Zion, who they need to be able to get to the lane, uh, and he it doesn't provide any spacing, and like it bogs down their offense. And he keeps playing him every single game in the clutch. It didn't help, and Eric Bledsoe is also out there who was bricking every single shot imaginable when he was wide open. Um, and I, there's just, you know, there's just a lot of ways in which you can kind of pick apart what they're doing. Thankfully for the Pelicans, his extension, which I do not understand why they had to give him that extension, but it, it his cap number goes down next year. He actually is taking a pay cut the next two seasons. Uh, but I just don't know how he fits. 
His and spacing is his spacing is an even bigger problem without Nikhil out there and yeah. without Lonzo consistently hitting shots because these teams are just clogging up the paint yeah. against Zion and Steven Adams. And the Pelicans are trying to win with 50, 60 points in the paint. You yeah. know, it's not 1994. They're not going to do that. No. And this is this is a situation where Nikhil or a good Lonzo would make Steven Adams a lot better, but they would also make anybody a lot better. So, Steven, get out of here. It'd be one thing if he was making the defense better. Yeah. They gave up seven t- in a game with their back essentially against the wall against a team that was missing their two best players. They gave up 70 fucking seven points in the second half against Jesus. Brooklyn. They're not playing like it's not working and so there's enough it's not like let me gather my thoughts (laughs) it's not doomsday i'm i don't want to sound like it's doomsday fire everyone kill everything zion's leaving going to new york it's not that no but this is very clearly did not work what they tried to do this season didn't work stan did not put them in the right position at the end of games. They did not have the personnel properly fit around Zion and Ingram to win games when it mattered the most. And they're going to have to do a whole lot different. And they have built up zero equity with fans to show that they can make the right moves. Right. So those things are all true, but you have a lot of avenues to get better. There are a ton of draft picks at your disposal. There are a lot of free agents and you're going to have cap space. If you move the right pieces in the right way. It is not as if they are stuck and handcuffed like they were often during Dell Dempsey's era when it's like, they're bad, they're hurt, we have no idea who they are, <laughs> and yet they have no wiggle room at all to get better. That is not this situation. This situation is frustrating because right now, they should be better. Is that fair? I think Was that an fair. asshole take? I don't know. No. I'm very often charged with being like the most negative dick in the world. I think you're the most truthful dick in the world. <laughs> this is the, you know, the bottom line you said it. This is a team that you can't really trust right now, but avenues are open, so it's not doomsday. Yeah, it's really not the end of the world. It's just hard to It's just to the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. And it, sh- it just shouldn't be Which this way. Which is fine, yeah. But it shouldn't be this way. They should have been better. Like, you look, you watch this team... We all watch this team for three and a half quarters. You're like, they're eh, pretty good. And then you're like, all right, they'll find a way to screw it up. And they do. Yeah. Inevitably, they find a way to screw it up. Well, hopefully these young players learn some confidence, <laughs> not by listening to this podcast. And I'm sure know, Stan is really pumping them up every day. Dude. Well, whenever Stan goes back to the banana boat or whatever the fuck <laughs> next season and we get Jerry Stackhouse in here, we'll be fine. <laughs> All right, um, we've got everything. You know what we do. Saints, <laughs> segments, blah, blah, blah. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Buy a house from Jane Simpatagna. Meet your old wife with Jansen Patagna. We're not the Silver Slipper Casino here. I don't have the dulcet tones of John from the Bay St. Louis. However, we all can get filthy rich if we hang out with Jansen. 
Patang. Our favorite realtor, Realtor to the Stars, J-A-N-S-E-N at F-Q-R.com. That is Jansen Patagna. He has houses literally all over this fair city. He seems to sell them every 9.8 seconds. Uh, he listens to Stan Van Gundy in the huddle, and he knows what to do. He's executing the plays. If you have a house that you were thinking about, give Jansen a call. Drop him an email. Follow him on Instagram. He's everywhere. He's got everything Araby to Gentilly and everything in between. I like following him on Instagram, J underscore Patagna on Instagram. He just posted a listing, uh, 835 Julia in the warehouse district. This place is bonkers. I mean, even if you're not looking for a house, you probably know somebody who is, somebody who will be. And, I mean, this place is so nice. I'm looking at it just for, you know, ideas. I'm like, <laughs> I should get a chair. <laughs> you can go to the open house. Just use the bathroom. It'll wow. make you feel better. <laughs> Paper towels. Ooh, Ooh la la. That is fancy. I don't know. He's got a new house up here in the warehouse district. It's over on Julia Street. This place looks amazing. It's a one bedroom, one bathroom. So, bachelors, head That's on over there. Yo, spot. Yeah. Uh, basically, Jansen makes the process easy. Uh, every other realtor uh, is not as good as him. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. He's he awesome. He's going to make it very simple. He knows the market better. Then everyone, he's selling houses constantly for a reason. And uh, just call him. He knows the market. He knows the trends. He's easy to work with. And two Polk and Kush listeners have bought houses from him. Yeah. And and their houses are still standing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even today. Yeah. They're still standing. Uh, Jansen makes it easy. He'll do all the paperwork. He will negotiate on your behalf. Everything that you can't do because you're as dumb as we are, yeah. Jansen will do it for you. So please, J-A-N-S-E-N at F-Q-R dot com. That's J underscore Patagna on Instagram. Just do it, everybody. Tell them we sent you. Yes, please. Make sure that you say, I am a Polk and Kush listener. That is the reason I'm going to you. If you buy a house from Jansen and say, I'm a listener of Polk and Kush, he will give you a free magnet. <laughs> and we will get a room inside your house in which to record. That's secret. That's in the back of the contract. <laughs> Don't tell them. That is a sponsor. Well, Saints news is few and far between these days, uh, but we do have a few scraps this week. Drew Brees, for one, he uh, talked. What a Jesus Christ, man. This guy. He, I guess he was at the Zurich Classic, the golf tournament. This says Breeze talked for the first time since retirement, but I've been hearing dozens of Smoothie King commercials <laughs> with him. So I will refute this note. Uh, so I guess he was at the Zurich or he was around the Zurich, mm -hmm. whatever, uh, and talked to reporters, individually thanked all of the reporters for 15 years of coverage. Uh, Very sweet. That's something that we care about. Um and Breeze was asked, are, you know, the high dollar analyst for NBC Sports going to give them the truth bombs, going to really riveting coverage. And they asked him about Jameis and Taysom, and he basically said, I don't know. I like both of them. Oh, that's nice. So basically, he's just still the same Drew Breeze. So hopefully the sweetest boy will get to be the next <laughs> Saints quarterback. Whichever one prays the best gets to be the next. I think it's Taysom. Yeah, probably. 
Uh, which God? I don't know. I guess that can deduct <laughs> points. Uh, but basically, he said uh, that uh, Taysom is very unique and Jameis is a good learner and a great arm. I don't know. It was all very boring. And I was like, this guy is going to suck yeah. on TV, man. Because <laughs> he's not going <laughs> to say anything that's going to be considered bad. No, he's not going to be a Romo style. He's not even going to be a uh, who's the butt fumble guy. Mark Sanchez? Yeah, that was it. Is he on TV? Geno Smith. Yeah, he is. Okay. He's okay. I mean, like, (laughs) Kirk, like, you have to be able to criticize people, and I just don't, I guess in college it's less, but it's still just like, God, this is going to be like, you know what? They're all trying really hard out there, Bob. Back to you. (laughs) He's going to be great on, like, the, you know, the World Little League series. (laughs) Yes, he'll be uh, fantastic at the dog show. Be like, these little scrappers are all adorable. He did um, say something interesting about only having how many good games last season? So he said, uh, quote, to Jeff Duncan of The Athletic. Uh, we, friend of the, friend friend of the of, show. Friend of the show, Jeff Duncan, yes. Listener. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I only felt good in one game, week four at Detroit. From the perspective that I had all the tools in my toolbox, quote, I had a lot of limitations throughout the season as to what I could and couldn't do. And that's really hard for a competitor. Uh, You got damage in your shoulder, broken ribs, a punctured lung, abdominal thing I was pretty much dealing with for most of the season. Losing his hair. So he was healthy, uh, not in week one. Mm -hmm. Yet everything that we read for the entire month leading up was about how his arm is better than ever. Is this media corrupt and lying to us? Are they just believing every single thing that Tom House, the throwing coach, <laughs> tells them? Is anything Sean Payton says considered to be the gospel truth? So Maybe. The, the one game that Drew felt great in was the one where they went down 14 to nothing within two, the first two minutes. I think he threw an interception <laughs> like the third play. <laughs> Well, that's good, Drew. Well, all right, then. <laughs> he was not good last year. We all could tell he was very hurt. I don't understand why he came back as quickly as he did, considering he's saying he felt like shit um, and that he was not healthy, which we all knew right. that you weren't healthy. It was very obvious when you couldn't make the accurate short throws that you always made, like literally from day one, uh, it is uh, very apparent the problem with all of this really is that I don't know how you can look any of these guys in the face after telling them that you were throwing the ball further than you ever have in the offseason and you look right at them and say, I wasn't healthy in week one. No, I was brutally maimed. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't healthy in week one. Dude, just get out the doll and be like, Drew, point to the thing that was healthy <laughs> on you. Why did you come back? If you had one game where you were healthy. Cha-ching. Yeah. And meanwhile, it was spun by everybody. Everybody. Just, oh, man, he's throwing the ball 60 yards in San Diego. You don't understand how great his live arm is. And he's going to be back with a vengeance. Is Drew Brees, man. It's all bullshit. They all lied to you. And no one cares. He comes out and just admits it straight to your face. We're like, oh, thanks for telling us, Drew. People have a short memory in sports. Also, they didn't mention that in San Diego that was on the beach and it was a Nerf football. <laughs> it was a vortex. It was to Braden or whatever. 
<laughs> they had shortened the yard markers to make it look uh, longer. Oh man, I it, it does make me very skeptical. As I was. Are we gonna Are we gonna believe <laughs> exactly that, that Jameis is a a great learner? And You're gonna read some. Exactly. You know, prayed. You're gonna read all of the same bullshit from the same people in about three months, and everyone is gonna believe it because they want to believe. Absolutely. It. And that's well, that's what, we'll that's what faith about. is. <laughs> I want to believe that the Saints will be good. So you know what? I do think the cataracts are gone. <laughs> Jameis James has been very self-aware. I've appreciated that in his interviews. Yeah. He's like, I know everyone thinks I suck. He's like, so I have a lot to prove to people. So I respect that, at least, out of Jameis. Yeah, but. he was at like a kid's camp uh, this week with Dak Prescott. And yeah. was like, you know, I won the Heisman. And then everyone laughed at me. <laughs> and they were like, why? And he was like, don't ask that. <laughs> it was the finger thing. That's why. Yeah, exactly. The, the W, the finger. That How that's the thing that stuck to him is the embarrassing part. It's yeah. like not the thing you did to the Uber driver or, or the... the Grabbing, yeah. Yeah, grabbing yourself in the middle of the cafeteria <laughs> or the, you know, stuff with the crab legs. Like none of that really stuck. It's the it's a stupid pregame talk. It just shows that if it's on camera, yeah. it sticks and really nothing else does. Well, um, he, he's happy that buffets are back at casinos. <laughs> I, I just this breeze thing made me crazy. Yeah, it, 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 it just it, it lives up to every uh, criticism we've ever had of the Saints beat. Yeah. Right. The, the tinfoil hats are correct for once. We were dead right. Does it feel good to be right? No. But were we? Yes. yes. Uh, hey, Will Clapp got re-signed. Great. All right. <laughs> Fuck. That was the only thing I had. News. And Number 64 is reporters eligible. The uh, human my pillow will be wanna, on the ground for most of the season. Do you want to talk about a, a center from Tulane that was on a practice squad last year? I don't. Nope. No. I think he gave bone marrow. Nice guy. That's nice guy. That's good. Yeah, but to who? That's the question. Oh, that's valid point. Overrated. Overrated. Underrated. Ladies and gentlemen, overrated and underrated. Would you like to get us started, sir? Yeah, I'll go with uh, overrated. Overrated. I have two things written down here. I'm not going with either of them. Okay. Cryptocurrency. Overrated. Overrated. Okay. You make a lot of money. Can you? This (laughs) is the point I ask. Has anyone spoken to you about cryptocurrency that wasn't horrific with financial (laughs) decisions and also personal decisions. <laughs> have you ever met like an investment bank? Have you met a guy dressed up like the Monopoly guy <laughs> telling, oh, yeah, you got to buy Dogecoin. And you're like, what's that? It's a coin. Uh, it doesn't exist. And the and the it's from a dog from a meme. <laughs> it's a meme. Oh, can I can I buy something at Walmart with it? No. Elon Musk pushes it, though, right? Elon Musk uh, sounds like a deaf guy <laughs> and is stupid. Elon I Musk, disagree with Elon that part. Musk is the smart guy. Is like He's the smart guy if you work at a warehouse. <laughs> but he, if, warehouse if that guy the... at the warehouse had a trillion dollars, he's like, I'm going to make a gold parachute that can take me into the sea. <laughs> But he has the money to do it. Remember when he tried to make a like a scuba suit 
or a, a submarine to rescue the the ch- the soccer team trapped in a mine. Oh yeah, yeah, that didn't work. He got there, and they're like, "Yeah, we already got him. <laughs> we're, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need your Iron Man suit to blow up some children <laughs> in a mine." Yeah, the crypto thing. I've never been able, and ever you know, obviously when you're skeptical about it. Uh, now you look like an idiot because it just the numbers keep going up. What are the numbers? Yeah, I, I don't know. The, the it's interpersonal gambling. These people are like trading back and forth with one another. There's no real currency. Maybe so everything. Maybe, maybe there's like that's true. Maybe there's like five people that have actually cashed out and made money. Yeah. But when you talk to these people, and it's usually you know at like a gas pump. Or <laughs> <laughs> You're in line at, you know, TCBY, and the guy's talking about cryptocurrency. He's like, yeah, man, it's over 10000 Well, Do you have $10,000? No. Yeah. They never do. Yeah. The uh, Why won't you cash out? Because you know it's fake. Yeah. I do, I do find it very hard to understand it, and then the only people who are ever willing to really explain it to you are the dumbest people that you can think of. Yeah. So in that regard, I do... But there have to be people actually making money off of this. Probably very smart, very secretive people <laughs> that don't want to let all these hippies in on how you <laughs> actually make money off of Bitcoin. Like, do you think you're going to become a millionaire off a thing that has a machine in the quickies discount on Franklin? Because <laughs> I don't. Next to just a stack of extra large T-shirts. Oh, man, it's a tough one. I do feel like... Like, the NFTs, I don't get, uh, like, NBA Top Shot. Like, Fred, a Fred Van Vliet card sold for, like, several hundred thousand real dollars, okay? So someone actually, like, shelled out real money, several hundred thousand, like, the cost of a house to get a Fred Van Vliet highlight. And I don't want they could make a thousand more of them tomorrow. And there's nothing to stop that. I thought that. the thing with the NFT was you can't make, there's only one. Well, until they change the rules. Is this just like some, right? Like is this like a, what it is? This is like a government op to get morons to buy <laughs> fake shit with real money, so they never have money again. I just don't get it. Period. Maybe I'm too stupid. Maybe they're too stupid. Sometimes it's good to not know what's going on, but I definitely don't know what's going on. I mean, if you want to talk to somebody about cryptocurrency, you're going to have to go to yesterday, four twenty. <laughs> you're going to need to go down to the old herb import. Yeah. And just ask a few cues. Mm-hmm. But everyone that's ever talked to me at great length about about crypto, about Bitcoin, has always been a loser. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a you problem, Maybe unless so. a cryptocurrency. Problem. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Can you buy Jansen? Do you accept Bitcoin? <laughs> no, just cold hard cash. Of course. Because you're a legitimate realtor. Uh, <laughs> I was going to give him some Raven coin for a place in Chantilly. <laughs> uh, all right. My overrated is the spinning desk chair. The spinning desk chair is more of a problem for me because I have the attention span of a toddler. And therefore, at least a couple times a day, I find myself with my knees underneath me and I'm spinning in circles and I'm just kind of like spinning around in the chair and I don't know I'm like wheeling back and forth for no reason I'm like I don't know why I need a chair that moves this much I can just have a regular chair with arms on it that sits underneath the desk and I'd be good 
I don't understand why I have this spinning chair and why every single person who has a desk in the history of time has a chair underneath it that spins and is on wheels. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's too standardized. And I am not a person with the level of ADD that I have that I shouldn't have this anymore. <laughs> and I need to ask my company for a chair that's like, I'd like uh, the recliner from Frasier's. <laughs> Frasier, please. <laughs> I'd like the beat-up green and orange thing that the old guy sits oh, yeah. and dies I thought on. that's the one you were talking about. Yeah, that's the one I want. Okay. Give me that. To go with your George Costanza desk yes. that you can sleep under? <laughs> I can sleep under. Uh, it's just, it's, I don't know why it became like the standard. Everybody has to have it. Maybe if you had like a bunch of meetings and you're moving around stuff, but I never move around anything. And I just sit at a desk. Maybe it came from a time of uh, filing cabinets where you'd have like two of those bad boys behind your desk yeah. and you'd be spinning around all day. Yes. I got to look up a file. Let <laughs> yeah. me grab that file. Nope. I have it's two gonna, eyes yeah. locked on two screens literally the entire day. I got, I have the desk chair of your dreams out there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's just a regular chair. Oh, man. You're ahead of the ball game. I stole it from the break room at Sonic. Properly rated in this Bud Light Tangerine <laughs> studio. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. I'm saying it's overrated because it's too ubiquitous. You're also saying that it's rated to any degree. It is. is. Well, it's the, it's the standard in office it is chairs. The standard. Time Nobody asks you when you get a desk, what kind of chair do you want? They simply give you a chair that spins. I've never worked at an office that offered me a chair. <laughs> the, the, uh, the salt mines. Yeah. <laughs> I get it's not called sit-down comedy. Yeah. Uh. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got an underrated. Yeah? Coffee at night. At night-night? Yeah. Like deep in the heart of like night? Or after like after 5 p.m. coffee. That's bold. I've been getting into it because... I don't have an Adderall prescription. <laughs> do you want to do it? I, you know, I get home. I want to, you know, I do my other shit. I do the million other things I have to do. And yeah. then it's nine o'clock. It's like, I'd like to watch a movie in one sitting. And then at like 1030, I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I'm this dead. is the worst. <laughs> I'm watching Kong versus Godzilla. I'm like, oh, only three more out. And every movie's 10 hours now. Yeah. Yeah. The new Justice League is four hours. That's the dumbest thing ever. If heard. you watch that in full, it should be like the video from The Ring, and that, you die ten days later. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a six-overtime college football game. Not doing it. No, that's crazy. So, uh, But yeah, I've been firing up the coffee pot, uh -huh. and now I can make it through a two-hour movie that I start at 9 p.m. <laughs> Congratulations. And you know what? I'm so exhausted from just the stresses of being me that I still go to sleep just fine. I think people are a little too weary of the coffee. They think it's going to keep them up all night. Yeah, I have put, that. Okay. Also, I'm putting booze in the coffee. There we go. Okay. You're mixing your uppers and downers <laughs> yeah. together. Yeah. It's a little vodka coffee. You do a bump. You do some H. <laughs> it's all good. It balances out, you know, over time. Uh, yeah. I, 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 people who get uh, coffee after dinner, I've always found that to be an interesting psychological move seems classy it's a thing people do all the time i guess it's so it pushes your uh, the poop out faster i think that's the point of it right uh i don't think so <laughs> what's the point of it then i don't <laughs> just assume that was the i case. think it's a nice treat a a nice warm system. treat well i mean why don't you just you know eat a hot dog after your meal <laughs> and you can go right to you know the egg roll house <laughs> 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 um, I just I've never been like, 
a guy who wants to have like a cup of coffee at 930 after I've had a meal. It just seems weird. I guess if you're going out after. Well, the effects of the coffee remain the same, even if you're shitting your guts out. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, why do you need to stay awake? You've just finished a meal. That is a, a nice cap to your night. Right? I, yeah, I can see the. Yeah. I suppose it depends on what you're doing. I guess they don't offer it at Chili's. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, I have an underrated. I wrote it down and I can't remember what it is. Oh, uh, midday uh, baseball. There's been a lot of games on during the middle of the day, middle of weekdays, particularly. Uh, They're phenomenal to gamble on. They're wonderful things to go to, to watch during the day. There's content on. All of the time. Baseball is the beautiful game if only because they play so often and the games are so meaningless. The gambling, phenomenal for baseball. I propose, however, though, that the MLB institutes a rule that there has to be a game going at some kind uh, from 10 a.m. until midnight and just string them together throughout the day. I need something to watch and gamble. I don't want to work. And no, I don't certainly want to not lose money during the day. Right. <laughs> so I need something on. And baseball has this huge inventory of games. Why waste it with having all these games start at 7 o'clock? No one goes anyway. So just put them on at 10 a.m. Yeah, you want to watch Lamar and Texas Pan Am at 10 a.m. on I'd, a Tuesday? I'll watch anything. I mean, it's better than Steve Wilkos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't need to see Judge Mathis. Give me the A's and the Rays, man. Like, just just put it on there. No one's going. Yeah. I think uh, Major League Baseball. There are enough games to do it, right? They, they just need to take advantage of the amount of games they have. They should, they're the only thing on. No, nobody, the NBA doesn't do it. They don't put any games on during the day. So baseball, throw all your games on during the day. Let the degenerates have some fun. Mm-hmm. And I think it's uh, and now I mean, the amount of things you can gamble on now is crazy. And so, I'm sure the players would love playing at these erratic and insane <laughs> times. Who gives a Solely shit? <laughs> for the purpose of 90 people gambling. I, the more people gambling that actually care about that game. That's for sure. I believe that. <laughs> uh, somebody said they could bet. A friend of the show uh, texted today and said you can bet that a team will score zero runs, and so he's been doing that against the Texas Rangers every game. <laughs> just just you get good odds and just betting they don't score, which is a thrilling bet. That is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a thrilling bet every single game. That If they could bet on like that a team is going to get no hit, I would love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like 100 to 1 odds that they're going to get a, a perfect game thrown against them. Heart-stopping game. The whole t- well, the, not for too long. But yeah, no, for exactly. a little <laughs> and there's this, like, oh, well, shit. <laughs> I that'll, like it. That'll take us into my favorite part of every single week, ladies and gentlemen. The worst. The worst. The worst is the worst thing I saw or read or somebody told me about or somebody <laughs> emailed me or sent me a screenshot of each week. Yes, indeed. What you got? I got this one from the Seattle Times. Liberal bastard. <laughs> this is not a liberal story. <laughs> Two women busted for trying to use counterfeit bill at a Dollar General store. The counterfeit bill? One million dollars. <laughs> 
is a <laughs> Mr. Burns's one million dollar bill. I like this author immediately. It says, "Who wants to be a millionaire?" <laughs> of course, these people are not from Seattle, Tennessee's Amanda McCormick <laughs> and relative Linda Johnson sure tried, and now they're paying for it. McCormick thirty nine. Yeah, that's the age you start doing stuff like this. <laughs> You're like, I got I got no <laughs> options. I got to go to Dollar General. I bet Dollar General has $800,000 change at any given moment. I mean, the whole store costs what? She should have just gone grand? in there and be like, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll have everything, <laughs> including the real estate. Um. Oh, they tried to pay for several gift cards with a counterfeit one. You don't have to say counterfeit. Yeah, we you know. You can just say one million dollar <laughs> bill at the Dollar General, uh, where she was joined by sixty-one year old. Sixty-one. Oh. That's too old. Oh, to be. Thirty-nine. Perfect age. Yeah. Sixty-one. Too old. Uh, McCormick. <laughs> McCormick claimed to have received the bill in the mail from a church, but could not provide the church information. Is it a picture of Jerry Falwell on there? Yeah, it's the Church of the Almighty Dollar. Get your, <laughs> your fucking lies straight, lady. Phil Collins is on there. She claimed to be using the money to buy items for care packages to give to the homeless. There we go. Oh, perfect. Beautiful. Yeah. Every time I get pulled over for drunk driving, <laughs> I say that I was giving a ride to a homeless guy. <laughs> you didn't meet him. He just left. Yeah, he dove out the window before you pulled me over. Uh, despite the incidents fraud by false pretenses classification, the two were not arrested, although the bill was confiscated and put into evidence. A verbal, a verbal no trespass warning was issued. So basically, go to Dollar General, give a million dollars, and see if it'll work. Because these people only got a talking to. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey. That's incredible. Yeah. So you think they knew what they were doing? Or you think they're that just dumb that they thought somebody sent them a $1 million bill? I think they knew what they were doing. How does anyone think they're going to get away with that? If they if they did not know what they were doing and they go, oh, somebody sent me a million dollars. I don't think the first stop off would be Dollar General to get baby food. Gift it said gift cards. What gift card? You know, does Dollar General sell baby? Gift cards? We're going to Outback tonight. First, I got to stop and get because they're not going to take this million dollar bill at Outback. But they'll definitely take it at Dollar General. I hope they tried to like at least even it out. Like, I'll get a five hundred thousand dollar <laughs> gift card to Outback Steakhouse. Throw in four hundred thousand at Home Depot too. Uh, uh, how uh, the education system has failed America? That is insane. Yeah. How, how did that even work? We got a million dollar bill. I think I might know what they're talking about. What, there were a couple of times when I was a waiter. Where uh, uh, religious types would leave a fake, they would leave fake money as a tip, and you would open it, and it would be like an advertisement for oh, their church or like to become a Christian. Bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Did you hear that Usher had fake money printed with his face on it? I saw that. And he throws it at strip clubs. But then they were like, it's not really fake money. He basically gives us $100,000 in cash, and then we then we let him use these bills to, to tip the girls. That's amazing. And we give we exchange it for real yeah. money with the girls. 
That's like, so that funny. Is unbelievable. What a boss move. That's man. like the best version of Dave and Buster's you can have as an adult. That's the tickets that come out of the skee ball machine. Yes. I'm going to print money with my face on it that is exclusively for strippers so they can exchange. <laughs> The level of ego and the level of having no one in your life to be like, hey, man, that's kind of a dick move. <laughs> like, no one's saying a word to Usher. Like, oh, yeah, man, this is great. Usher bucks. Yeah, exactly. I think you're, it's a genius. Oh, man. Uh, all right. So that takes me into my worst of the week uh, from our trusty old friends at NOLA.com. Roadwork repair. Jeff Adelson wrote this. Uh, Roadwork repairs begin in earnest and neighborhoods could go on for the next 25 years. Oh, good. Oh, good. Uh, so apparently, believe it or not, here in the beautiful city of New Orleans, where the roads have a few problems, they've started doing road work uh, everywhere and didn't tell anybody that they were doing it. So let's start with the start of the story. Uh, last year. Chris Allen got a notice on his door that road work could be starting soon at his home in the Black Pearl. Him and his neighbors readied themselves, moving cars, making preparations the day before construction was set to begin. The day came and nothing happened. Then, two weeks later, a crew arrived and dug a trench on Adams Street. Soon, crews were tearing up streets all over the area, leaving 10-foot deep holes scattered throughout the neighborhoods and streets undrivable. Mm. Some were filled with dirt and rocks, and others haven't been covered with asphalt. Others sit open, surrounded by construction cones. $500 million in FEMA money is going into this. By the time the money is spent, uh, almost one-third of New Orleans streets will have some kind of work. So they're just doing construction to all these roads, telling people, at some point, we're going to dig up your street. Surprise. In the next quarter century. In the next quarter century. Surprise. We'll figure it out. When I moved onto Calhoun Street on the other side of uh, Claiborne, between Fountain Blue and uh, Claiborne, back my old house, when I lived there, they told us we moved in in 2013, that by 2015, the street would be completely redone. <laughs> that was in the master plan. It's 2021. Not a single shovel has gone into the ground well. on that street. And the master plan now says it's not even on this list. <laughs> That's supposed to be done in the next 20 years. So absolutely uh, beautiful. Uh, New Orleans has completed 33 of these road projects. There are 51 projects in various states of construction. On average, they've been underway for eight and a half months suggesting the average time to completion is likely increasing. You can have a child faster than it takes to fix a goddamn road. Whoa. That is this city to a T. Personified. They're basically chopping up all the roads and then deciding which ones are going to And then, and then fix. they scram. <laughs> and then they're like... All right, well, now we've got them all ready for the fix-it people. Well, it's like the destructo people move pretty fast. The <laughs> fix-it people seem to be lagging behind. Uh, if you, uh, Joe Geruso, the city council member who wants to slam his head into a file cabinet, says, <laughs> if you tell people it's going to be a month, then it probably needs to be a month. If not, it's not a month, there should probably be an explanation. Believe it or not, no explanation. <laughs> This is uh, so absolutely absurd. 
Uh, one of my favorite parts of this, though, in some areas, crews have found that wooden lines are carrying the water. Oh. Like George Washington's teeth. Wooden lines. You're wood using wooden pipes? I think we the, have Wi-Fi. I'm pretty 5G. sure the... <laughs> I think the Greeks figured out a non-wooden related uh, I mean, water system. I suppose it's better than lead, but I don't know, man. I couldn't. I feel like wood would get like mold and spores and stuff like that growing out of it. Accurate. I think it's literally uh, the. I mean, it's not the worst. Lead pipe yeah. would be the worst, which we, I'm sure we had a gazillion of those uh, yeah. as well. There's but. a pipe on my street right now that's just been here. <laughs> of course, it's just here forever. <laughs> Every morning at like 6 a.m., a bunch of guys just get out there and they move a bulldozer forward 30 feet and then they back it up 30 feet and then they all call their cousin Terry on speakerphone. One guy is basically shining the pipe and 16 guys are standing around it like just, you know, just uh, texting. I've realized I've become an old man because every time I I see somebody in an orange vest just like on their phone, I always go, yeah, great work there. <laughs> Don't work too hard. There's always just some guy in a fucking hard hat looking at his phone in front of my house. It's incredible, man. It takes like 16 people to do the work of one guy staying. I was like, are they rotating, or does this poor schmuck have to be in there every day? And the other guys know they're going to work and not having to do anything. Uh, you know, people talk about high taxes in California, in Los Angeles. Yeah. They got shit done immediately. Sure. I lived on Temple. Temple's a huge fucking street. It yeah. goes from Los Angeles to Santa Monica. Uh, they repaved that whole thing in like three days. <laughs> And those fuckers were moving. Too. Yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody was TikToking. No, and they talk. Yeah, you know, government inefficiency. It's like, well, you guys should come yeah. here. I mean, you get what you pay for, I, I suppose. But hey, at least I don't pay a, more in taxes. <laughs> but my car's <laughs> underground right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, well, the sewage and water bill has only tripled in the last, you know, yeah. five years. So it's all good. Uh, in other areas, projects were delayed when workers found pipes connected in unexpected ways or in different places than schematics showed them. Uh, so uh, and they also said often crews will tear up a road only to realize that far more work than expected is needed to fix the issues, causing delays as the project is, quote, upscope to address the discovery. Addressing problems when the crews have already dug into the street is an improvement, believe it or not, <laughs> which often saw the city excavate the roadway, do the scheduled work, then come back, tear it up, and do the other repairs. <laughs> oh, my God. And then Latoya, and then Jay Banks, the councilman, said he is elated that we are in a position now that when you work on a street and you see something's wrong, then we will fix it. Because <laughs> the other way was the dumbest way to do anything in the history of time. So we're doing it slightly better than the dumbest possible way. We've upgraded from like 100% dumbest to 95% dumbest. Let's take a victory lap, everybody. We did it. Welcome to the city of yes. Mission accomplished. This freaking place. I hope they all gave themselves raises. <laughs> sure. I'm sure they did. And drove into, you know, somebody else <laughs> and pissed their pants on the way there. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, 
If you think that, that there's a lot of construction going on and nothing's getting accomplished, you're right. It takes nine months to pave a regular city street here. So congratulations, New Orleans. You have done it again. You have made the worst of the week. Uh, that takes us through this episode. This was it's always so much fun to do. Thank you for bearing with us for an extra day. I know we're a little late on this one, uh, but we do have so much fun doing the show. Please follow us on Twitter at Polk and Kush. Email us, polkandkush at gmail.com. We've gotten some suggestions on there recently. We do deeply appreciate that. And of course, if you haven't rated this show yet, I'm going to punch you right in the face. We know we have a lot more listeners than ratings. So please, just rate, drop the dang five stars and give us a review that says, these guys sound like they're the dumbest people on earth, but somehow they put out a podcast every week that entertains me. Five stars for effort. Five stars for doing your best. Participation trophy of five stars. We will take it. Uh, please subscribe, listen, rate, and tell all your friends. We love doing this show. We will see you next time right here on Pulp. And Kush. See ya.